Well, hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of These Are the Voyages. I'm the captain, Captain Chase McKinney, and someone actually decided to join us today after being, you know, stuck out there in a really shoddy, rundown runabout. Good old Lieutenant Commander David, um, and I think that runabout maintenance was supposed to be supervised by either Lieutenant Commander Eric or one of our other lieutenants on the station. I can't remember. So, David, if you're going to blame anyone, don't blame me. Way to pass the buck, Captain. I do what I can. I do what I can. Way, way to pass the buck down the line. Is that is that what they call delegation? That's right. In command school? I learned from uh, from Captain Del Delegator um, when I was at the academy. And um, Hey, you know what? This ain't the Enterprise, okay? This ain't the Enterprise. You know, we do things different around here, yo. I'm just saying. Anyway... Hey, I mean, I could have been abducted by Romulans, Cardassians, Klingons, who knows? Well, were you? You know, if you actually did your personal log, we would actually know this stuff. Well, hmm. I don't know. When I start firing off a phaser, you'll know. <laughs> well, I want to start with you. I know I'm heckling you right now, but uh, we didn't get to hang out with you last week. How you been, David? Oh, not too bad. Just kind of all over the place, so... It's a thing, <laughs> but no, not too bad overall. Nice, nice. Well, we missed you last time. We're glad that you're joining us again uh, this week um, on the show to talk about something to do with the lower decks. So um, anyway, how about you, Eric? How have you been? How's your week been treating you? I'm hanging in there. Uh, it's rough down here in Texas, you know? I thought this state had their stuff together, but they don't just as dysfunctional as every place else welcome to life <laughs> the more you know it's great we're yeah. we're in this weird political world not to get too political but people need to figure out what the heck they're doing and get there on the go. same page there we go and here i am you know you're talking about like let's not get too political i'm wearing my niners shirt for crying out loud if there's going to be any like political Star Trek, it's going to be Deep Space Nine and, well, Discovery and other tr recent Trek, too. Anyway. Have y'all ever had... Okay, so this is like kind of starting out like kind of weird, so I'm sorry, y'all, um, out there in listener land, but I recently got, like, some songs stuck in my head, and I didn't re remember that I remember hearing them before and I felt like I was listening to a song for like the very first time. Have y'all ever had that happen to you before with music? Probably. Can't think of anything right off the top of my head, but it's probably happened. Okay. Yeah, I can't, can't say I follow that line. Normally if I like a song or something, I play it to death until I can't stand it anymore and it's just burned into my brain somewhere mm -hmm. it's just like nails on chalkboard after that mm -hmm. yeah there there's um i was so lately i've been like in a in like kind of a, a western mood and even like coming back to like country music and stuff and um like there's some george Strait that i like and other george Strait that i doesn't i don't like um but like i think my main go-to's um for like country music have been like Garth Brooks, um, Alan Jackson, um, 
George Strait, uh, Brooks and Dunn, to, just to name a few. And I was just like, man, I just want to listen to like Garth Brooks. Like I just want to listen to like some old Garth Brooks. So um, for whatever reason, Garth Brooks music is not on Spotify. Uh, and if it is, it's like very, very little. I guess there's just no like licensing de- deal or something uh, with Spotify. And even like with like what you can stream like on Amazon Music or YouTube Music or whatever, like I just don't know where to start sometimes. So I'm like, I really don't like Pandora, but maybe it'll throw something my way that like I'll just dig or something. But it was not. I'm not talking about Garth Brooks that um, I re- was remember hearing and um, what it was, and I'm hoping I can make this happen here in a second. It was a, was a different um, group that I'm, I'm going to bet a buck or six donuts that Eric knows about. And um, anyways, it was this song that got my attention. It is. Okay. Yeah, I was so, having trouble remembering that. that so. Glad, Glad somebody, somebody remembered who it was. So this song comes on like the Garth Brooks Pandora station, and I'm like, yeah, I'm digging this. And um, then there were like some other songs that like played after it. Like I think some Brooks and Dunn, of course, some George Strait. I just love that chorus for some reason. It's just so catchy. But then, here's the, here's the thing. There was another Alabama song that came on, and I was like, I remember this because I think it was someone at like a banquet or something that did like a video montage, and this song played. And I think I played the heck out of this song. So this was. It's not you, but it'll do zero to sixty in five point two. I'm in a hurry to get. Anyways, like this is like that song that I forgot that I'd heard. That it felt like I was I heard I'm listening to it for like the very first time. And um, anyways, I was just loving the heck out of it. So yeah, I like got reacquainted with some Alabama. No, this like, week. The, like. Speaking of, of the idea of playing things along that, so I don't have a, 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 an Alexa or a Siri, but my mom left me one of those, like, it's basically the Google version of the same thing. Yeah, the Google, say, Google like, Assistant? Yeah, hey Google, play whatever. But um, she didn't, she didn't, and I don't have, like, a premium subscription to it. So if you say, like, hey Google, play a specific song, it, it will go, like, in order to play a specific song, you have to have a premium membership. But here's a here's a station that plays other songs by that artist. And so I was the other day. I was like, "Hey Google, play the Beatles," you know. And it it like 
and it's like, here's a station that featuring playlists <laughs> by the Beatles. And I don't know what song came on, but it was not the Beatles. <laughs> so then I was like, Google, off. <laughs> I was like, Google, play the Eagles. Playing a station with the playlist involving the Eagles. And like a Mariah Carey song came on. I, was like, I mean, very what? similar. <laughs> I was like, Google, stop. And I did no. that like five times, and it never played a song by the correct artist that I asked for. No, that, that, that's usually how those work. It's, it's kind of funny because like, uh, well, it's not funny. It's actually pretty morbid when you talk about like sort of rediscovering old music and so forth. Like, unfortunately, recently, the drummer for the Rolling Stones, Charlie Watts, died. Um, and this has happened, unfortunately, over the past few years. Like, Prince died. I started listening to Prince for a bit. Tom Petty, that was a big one. Listen, Tom Petty. Um, uh, David Bowie. Yeah, yeah the, the bass player for ZZ Top recently passed mm-hmm. away as well. Um, so I, I love ZZ Top anyway. But, yeah, um, kind of going back, and like I was saying earlier, how I, sometimes I run some music into the ground, but being able to come back and, and reexamine it later it just kind of sucks that that's what that's the catalyst for it you know mhm mhm that's i remember that was um that's that's what i did um gosh when when did prince die i know it was like it's 2016 was it 16 yeah cuz 2016 was like a really bad year for it was a bad for year. like i mean like prince david bowie tom petty glenn fry oh, yeah. Like a bunch of like big artists died in 2000. Tom Petty, I think, was also 2016. Mm-hmm. I don't remember what I was doing in. Um, I, mean, I know what I was doing in 16, but like I don't know why I was like watching this movie in, in 16. But like I think it was like. Um, I think it was the Leo DiCaprio, um, uh, Romeo and Juliet movie. Or something. I think I was watching it. Yes, I know exactly what you're talking <laughs> yeah. about. From like <laughs> from '96 or whatever. No, but I know the scene. I even know the scene that Chase is about to refer to. <laughs> and anyways, it was like the the whole Doves Cry thing, and <laughs> that was like, I've I've listened to Prince by the way prior to watching that movie. Okay, like I used to rock out to Prince in my basement in high school, and um, Little Red Corvette, all that stuff. Okay, Purple Rain, all the all that stuff, and. Um, it anyways like when prince passed like i remember like vh1 like was like nothing but prince all day for like a week after he passed and uh that was wild that was just wild v- and vh vh1 was still playing music in 2016 they like they, they went just back playing to- those like terrible dating reality show things they do like they did rock something. of love or whatever <laughs> they did something where they went back to like this old overlay and they just did everything prince everything prince like all day for like a week and it was it was, it was pretty cool um, i mean you got to see like some of they played some of his concerts like i'm like why isn't mtv doing this like if anyone's going to do this, well, it because be MTV. mtv's too busy rehashing ridiculousness or whatever rob deerdick has out can you get enough Rob Deerdick? No, never. Twenty-four-seven. <laughs> MTV's got their own dumb reality shows too, like the Challenge or all those things. I don't even know. I don't even know. I haven't anymore. had cable in years, so I have no idea what they're doing. Yeah, I don't have cable either. For yeah, a long we don't. Time. We don't either. Yeah. 
we well we had we had a YouTube TV f- there for a while, and I think I, I mentioned this about a year ago with I think both of y'all, but like the the when COVID like was first like a thing and like the like the NHL was doing their thing, they had to like redo all the things basically. That's when I got into hockey, so like my first earnest like wanting to watch a season of hockey. Like it was the very like that season is when um, like Fox Sports, which is now Bally Sports, um, cut the contract like with all the like the streaming things like YouTube, Hulu. Uh, what are some other ones? Um, YouTube, Sling, all that. Sling, because because I I had Sling and that that was the only reason I had it was so that I could watch the Cleveland Indians games now the Guardians. Uh, Cavalier games, which was dubious because I really don't care for basketball as much anymore. And then potentially any like uh, crew, like Columbus crew would sometimes come up there uh, or um, uh, the Blue Jackets as well would sometimes be broadcast. And then, yeah, they cut it off. And I was like, why do I even need this? I'm watching literally one channel. (laughs) It's just not even worth it. Right. And I mean, I think you, you and like even people, maybe some people out in listener land know that I'm not like a big sports guy. Like I'm, I don't drink the Kool-Aid like a lot of people do, but when I want to watch my team, I want to watch my team. And, um, anyways, just, well, well, you, you, you gotta, you gotta go live. I mean, like yesterday I went to a crew game and it was insane. They came back and wound up winning it later in the game. Actual actual live sports being in stadium way different than watching it on TV. Especially oh, I want to buy season tickets now. Especially live hockey. Live hockey oh, yeah, is hockey. really fun. Mm-hmm. Hockey on TV is difficult to watch, but like Agreed. live, it's real. It's probably the best sport to watch live because it's nonstop. It's just like they're full go the whole time. Mm-hmm. Football football live can be a little boring. As much as I love football, like going to a live game sometimes can be really slow i used to give my dad a hard time um like growing up was like dad like this like 15 minutes ago it said there was like 15 minutes on the on the clock and there's like still like 12 minutes on the clock like what's going on man (laughs) that's that's a basketball game for you so well sometimes football too sometimes Or, or however long the you know uh, the period is so um yes because i watch football i know all the terms there we go anyway the they're quarters in football cause quarters four of them periods quarters i mean like it's a demarcation of time it's a period of time there we go that's my rationale i'm going with it all right if you want to hate tweet me about football it's at not eric <laughs> <laughs> on twitter <laughs> Oh Lord, I still I'm still threatening to make a Twitter for you. I mean, I know your right. email, so. I mean, do you need an email account to? I think you do, don't you? Tw- don't, don't you, David? I have, I have I know nothing about Twitter. There you other go. than you can Twitter things on there. <laughs> <laughs> correct terminology. <laughs> good. Speaking of correct terminology. <laughs> all right, all right. Well, we've been we've been rambling on, we've been rambling on. Um, you don't want to play that song now, do you? Which one? Ramble oh. on by Led Zeppelin. No, I'm good. Oh, you poor poor man. I'm good. 
no, just stop me before I play any other music. Um, I have Spotify ready to rock and roll. So uh, here we are. We are. Let's go ahead and, and I guess get into it now that we've got our our uh, mandatory 15-minute uh, um, Jensen at the lodge meeting portion going on, taken care of. Um, if y'all haven't listened to our first two um, episodes uh, recapping Lower Decks, make sure you do. Uh, check that out on um, wherever you listen to podcasts. Go directly to Podbean, whatever floats your boat. Go to our website, TRTV Pod, and you can listen there. Um, as we get into this, just another reminder, not spoiler-free. We're going to spoil the heck out of this and give you some of our thoughts and our opinions along the way um, in this uh, Lower Deck Season 2, Episode 3 recap of We'll Always Have Tom Paris. How about that for an episode name? Okay, speaking of Tom Paris, <laughs> have any of you listened to the, the, the Delta, Delta Flyers, Flyers mm-hmm. podcast? It's a good podcast. No? I haven't. Do you know what that is, David? I do not know what it is. Okay. No. Well, well uh, Robert Duncan McNeil, who played Tom Paris, and Garrett Wong, who played Harry Kim... They're doing like a Voyager rewatch podcast where they're rewatching the episodes, breaking them down, talking about what they like, what they don't like, what they remembered, and some little, you know, behind the scenes tidbits from the the filming of the episode. And so they've been doing that for like a year. They're, I think they're through season three by now. And I've been listening to it. It's pretty neat. I mean, they hide a bunch of this stuff behind a paywall right so you can become a patron and they put all the extra stuff but instead of like getting advertisements listen for a podcast like that i would rather listen to ads and just have everything be free than the patron behind the paywall but like it's not my podcast so you know that happens a lot i mean the friendship onion uh dominic monahan and um billy boyd from lord of the the Rings. rings yeah if if i have to hear more about Raid Shadow Legends or whatever stupid mobile mobile game that they are totally playing. (laughs) (laughs) That's exactly how I am with uh, the soundtrack show. Um, Like every like 10, 15 minutes, like you're talking about like music theory. And then it's like just this random, like out of nowhere commercial about like air conditioning. I'm like, why? Yeah, yeah, but but would you rather listen to those ads and have all of the content for free, or would you rather, you know, subscribe to the patron thing so you can get all the extra content? I don't know. I'd probably do both. I'd, I'd oh. probably be okay with both. Okay. It, it, well, I guess I think it depends, though. I mean, if it's like if you're really invested in it, I mean, who cares? Throw a couple bucks at a Patreon, but yeah, most of those ads they're reading, so you can just skip it. Yeah. But anyway, I, I, I enjoy I enjoy the podcast. I think Robert Duncan McNeil, Tom Paris, like what he remembers is is really interesting. Not so much Garrett Wong. He's like a little immature. All the jokes he makes about the phallicness of like the head prosthesis and stuff. But I mean, Robert Duncan McNeil, he you know he is now just a director essentially. He doesn't he doesn't really act anymore. And so like. I know Chase and I, we've talked about Chuck a bunch. Robert Duncan McNeil was a good show, Chuck. Um, he was one of the like the main producers of Chuck, and he directed like like 30 episodes or something of it. And like just to hear him talk about the directing and everything that went into Voyager because he was like shadowing the rest of the directors. It was It's really interesting, and I, I really enjoy his perspective looking back on all those episodes. So mm-hmm. Tom Paris is kind of like... 
in my in my mind right now because I've been listening to that podcast for like a year. Awesome, awesome. And he Th- um, that by the way, this is not a paid promo for the Delta Flyers podcast. <laughs> Are you sure you weren't approached by Robert Duncan Neal to do this? I'm I'm positive. Okay. And now for a message from our uh, <clears throat> sponsors now. Hey, do you like onions? Check out the Friendship Onion on Spotify. Goodness. Wow, gee willikers, I'm really hot. Why? It's August in Texas. You should get your air condition tuned up. Call 123-AIR at 555-12-AIR. not a real number y'all i'm just saying somebody will somebody will try it somebody will actually try that <laughs> is it an air with an e or no e no it's e-r-e that kind of air oh okay <laughs> you gotta get the apostrophe in there somewhere <laughs> oh lord we have people that are already like turning off the program because they're just sick of this ridiculousness we'll always have tom paris always have tom paris so boimler's back on the cerritos and uh just like we saw at the end of uh, of the last episode and he's got himself a collector's plate of tom paris of the entire bridge crew yeah from jane down to kim does do any of y'all like you or anyone you know like like do the collector plates of anything like collector plates, collector cups. I mean, just collector tableware type stuff. Not, not like, not like that. But there, there was a point where my my mother was really interested in depression glass, and it was just glassware that was made during the depression and put in like sacks of flour for people who couldn't afford it. And there was a pattern that she liked, so I would go to the antique stores and buy little pieces for her here and there. It's actually not that cheap, or it wasn't then. But yeah, I, I mean, I don't think I've... I know that the commemorative plate thing is a thing, but I don't think I've ever actually had anybody around me that just has a bunch of commemorative plates. What's the point? Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's like collecting anything else that you aren't allowed to touch or allowed to use, isn't it? I, I guess so. There was, there was a convention I went to uh, three years ago here in the Fort Worth area. And, um, in fact, the guy that sold me... Oh, where'd it go? It was, it was my, um, my Riker, my Riker action figure that I have uh, that my daughter gets confused with between if it's me or not me. Um, <laughs> anyway, like I got that. Um, I got some of my uh, Christmas ornaments there too. I got like this little Riker Christmas ornament, um, um, the original Enterprise like Galileo shuttlecraft uh, thing. That's y'all can't see it, but it's over here on my shelf. And uh, he had like all these plates of of like he had like Worf, he had Picard, he had Spock, he had Chekhov, um, different shows like they had like these collector plates, and like he was gonna like sell some of them like as a set. And stuff. So, like, I've seen the plates, and like that was like the whole idea, like that Mike McMahon had, like, was to kind of like play on that a little bit. Which I don't know if you or anyone of our listeners had heard this, but you know there were like the plate, this 
Tom Parrish plate thing um, had been making the rounds, and apparently um, they're actually going to make that particular Tom Parrish plate for people to purchase. Like the cartoon Tom Parrish for people to purchase and display nice. wherever they're going to display it. Yeah. I guess nice. so. I <laughs> for the millions of viewers of Lower Decks, right? I mean, if you if you collect the Star Trek plates, I mean, that's just one more Star Trek plate to have, right? I guess so. I guess. I guess. Yeah, yeah. Y'all sound y'all sound so excited to be talking about plates so, right now. Um. Yeah. Well, I have a question. So, when does Lower Decks take place in the twenty three eighty in the chronology? And Voyager got back in 2379, I, I thought. Because they were launched in 2373. Yeah, because, so, like, so Nemesis took place 2379. And Janeway right, was okay. an admiral in Nemesis. You're correct. Okay. So this is two years mm. after? Yeah, two years after Voyager's returned. Back? Uh, to the Alpha Quadrant, yes. Okay. All right. So, I guess my question is, Tom Paris is on a handshake tour? Is that what yeah. they said that he's on? Yep. A handshake tour? Yep. And telling Voyager stories? Okay. But And then there's one point where, um, first of all, a handshake tour is really weird, but whatever. Um at one point where uh, Boimler and Mariner go on their pre, you know, necessary ramble about just things that have happened in the past, right, in Star Trek, and they list out all of these things that happened in Star Trek Voyager, do you think those two would actually know about all of these things that happened on Voyager? I mean, unless... Boimler is being Boimler and they somehow released all like the logs and he just spent a weekend just digesting everyone's personal logs for seven years maybe I mean but that seems like you know maybe some of those things right away would be classified before they put the put I know don't, don't you think so I just think it, it doesn't seem right that these people would know everything about what happened on Voyager uh, this closely after. Don't you mean Voy? Back. Don't I, that's you mean just Voy? Me. Yeah, Voy. Oh, on Voy. Voy, yes, Voy. Hey, that is a pretty good shortening. It does help save some time. It yeah. does. Well, <laughs> and I know that both of you have talked about this before, but sort of like the seeming need to include a bunch of stuff from other Star Trek mediums into this show. It's like, it's it, it stuck in my head that like uh, when, when Boimler was at the um, replicator in the beginning of the episode, like one of the ladies behind him was wearing a visor like Jordy. You know, it, it, I didn't even know. Yep. I didn't okay, even yeah, saw that. Yeah, yeah, it was a blue shirt that was wearing a, a Jordy visor. And the thing is, it, it, it does seem like they're trying to stuff so many oh, uh, uh, Easter eggs in into these as much as humanly possible in order to make it, I don't know, more interesting for people, I guess. 
but yeah, I, I, I think that's more to satisfy that itch than anything else. Cause I mean, realistically in a year or two years time, would they have known everything about Voyager? I mean, I, I would, I would actually have to assume that a lot of stories would have gotten out because I think that would have been like a pretty big deal, you know, kind of like a moon landing. It's like, oh, everybody's at waiting with bated breath. You know, they've been getting the, like the transmissions home, uh, whatever season that was when they were able to send messages home Five, and everything. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense how they were in communication and able to send messages. So, right? so yeah. I guess in a couple years' time, you know, maybe maybe they did have like the equivalent of space Oprah, and she's like bringing them on. It's like. You get a story, and you get a story, and you get a story, <laughs> and, and everything, you, you know. Okay, yeah, it makes sense when you say it like that, because Janeway would have been sending along her captain's logs to start, as reports to Starfleet. But, but I think David has a point. I mean, there is a space Oprah. We, <laughs> we, we met space Oprah episode one, Remembrance, in Picard. I'm just saying. Oh, the... the caster at the beginning yeah yeah Picard walked out on yeah well you, you know th- this is always like a weird contradiction that I've always thought about throughout watching any of this I don't remember the episode I'm trying really hard um, if you get Eric you'll probably remember but it was it was next gen when they found those uh, those three folks that were cryogenically frozen in like a satellite or whatever oh and they brought them back to life yeah, it's and it was like you know, season Romulans. one. The season one finale. It's called the Neutral Zone. Okay, and and the the one guy who you know wanted to play music talked about television, the boob tube. You know what? What do you guys do for fun around here? And the whole thing is is like, so you're telling me that you don't have like you know like in Star Wars terms like a hollow net or like some sort of like nifty little program for somebody but in Picard we clearly have like an interview thing with all this stuff it's like of course you have that which leads back to the point of course you have a space Oprah yeah okay <laughs> she might even have a periodical that goes out to your email list you know what I mean it's like it's gotta happen okay alright alright yeah, you make, you make you a get good an you make a good point you get an enterprise all, everyone gets an enterprise. <laughs> don't don't forget to pay your taxes on it though, or you'll totally be taking a task. <clears throat> yeah. I thought we didn't have money. Only if the plot demands it. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm just looking at my official chronology right here. Yeah, Endgame for Voyager 2378. Two episodes. There we go. Two episodes before that. Um, was the episode where Neelix leaves the ship, right? He finds those other Talaxians. And that happens on First Contact Day, so April 5th, 2378. There so, we go. So Endgame happened probably in in May, probably 2378. Or 70 years later, just depending on how you want to look at it. It's a very wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey It's not my stuff. favorite episode. So, um, all right. So Boimler's back. He gets his stuff reinstated, and yet he can't open doors. Like he can't use anything. Can't use a replicator. Can can I? Okay. This isn't me logicking anything. 
okay, rationalizing anything, but like, it is. It doesn't matter if you have clearance or not. Like, a replicator is a replicator. You should be able to make a cup of coffee without clearance. I'm just saying. Well, listen, Chase, security measures have been beefed up recently, okay? <laughs> what don't you understand about that? Hey, if, if a guy wants some pork rinds, he should be able to get some pork rinds. I'm just saying. I mean... When bridge officers are coming back from the dead, you need to update these security measures, okay? Good grief. Yeah, we. how many episodes do we see where some visitor comes on the ship and they just walk around wherever they want... Right. Specifically, let's talk about that episode that David mentioned, right? The neutral zone where we wake up those people from the past. One of them, like, calls the bridge and Picard's like, who is this? Why are you calling the bridge right now? It's like, well, if you didn't want me to use it, you should have made it secure. Well, people on the ship know better than that. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So... So there's, I guess, like, there's, like, the, the two, two and a half kind of stories kind of going on. Like, Boimler getting back and getting reacclimated and having, like, the other half being, like, the hero worship and trying to get to Paris type of thing. And then there's the Rutherford kind of thing, like, by the way, Shax is back. And we're not going to talk about it. Otherwise, it's going to, I mean, otherwise it'll melt your brain and make you explode, apparently. So, Shax is back. Apparently, and Kayshawn is still there too. Apparently, so I'm wondering what the, how that's going to work out. Um, I don't know. Uh, before we talk any more about that, like, what are your thoughts on having Shax back on the show? Well, I mean, my only thing that I have to say about Shax is his entire personality in season one, other than the last episode, was let me let me use my phasers and let me target their warp core. Let me target their warp core. Let me target their warp core. Please, 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 please. <laughs> let me target the warp core. That was that was like all we got from him. So take the character, leave the character. I think it was a really nice moment and the last episode where they had him sacrifice himself and then they gave him his space burial and you know, he's with the prophets. I I like that because you know, he was almost a nothing character for me. And so I if they're going to bring him back, do something with him. Otherwise, David has said this many times. If you kill a character, be at peace with it and let them go. You don't have to bring them back. If you're going to kill Dr. Colbert, kill him and let be at peace with it. If you were going to kill Giorgio, do so and be at peace with it. Right? Don't feel the need to constantly bring people back. Now, maybe there's going to be some better joke here that's going to pay off down the road in response to this. Maybe. But I don't know. I, I just I, He's kind of a nothing character for me. So, I don't know. I did like the humor, though, as they were kind of like going through, oh, the Borg brought him back or uh, some Dyson Sphere thing. and You know, just all the little... The little, the like, kind of tropey thing. So I, yeah. I do kind of like that they were able to make fun of that because it, it is, that is one of my biggest pet peeves. And Eric, you said it probably exactly word for word what I said <laughs> back in Discovery. I do. I, if, you're go, if, you're gonna, if you're going to take a character out, just take them out and be confident in the decision that that was the right thing to do. Um, but yeah, the mirror universe bringing in, oh, they're 
kind of not that evil. Let's bring them in. Or, I don't know, they're reanimated from some goop or something. It's like, you just don't have to or do let's it. Gen- but no, I, I, liked, I liked that they made fun of Genesis it. Genesis devised him. <laughs> or, or he came back from the Nexus. Ener- no, or, or an energy ribbon. Nexus, same thing. Same thing. <laughs> no, but then what did you feel like how he runs to the elevator and he's like, I've got to know, I've got to know. And then he starts telling him some story. You know about the Black Mountain, right? Well, you see three heads of your father's, and you have to fight them, but the last one, and then he makes you eat your own heart. <laughs> it's like, what story is this? <laughs> that was funny, I will admit, like, that scene. Yeah. I just, I just hope they actually do something with him. Like, at this point, like, Kayshawn is, like, more of a, a developed character for me that I, I want to see more of compared to Shaxx. Like, nothing against Shax or, like, the guy that voices him or anything like that, but I, I'm just more invested in Kayshawn than I am Shax. Which is sad, since one versus 11 episodes. Yeah, but, I mean, I like the idea of, you know, a Bajoran security officer in Starfleet, because, presume I, I mean, where we left off in Deep Space Nine, Bajor was not a part of the Federation, but, and, you know, we're only... Well, like three years after that at this point. So mm-hmm. who knows if Bajor did join the Federation. I don't think we have a canon answer to that. I'm sure there are some books that talk about it. But I think the idea of, you know, rolling the Bajoran militia into Starfleet and having... It makes sense to have a Bajoran as your security officer, considering what he probably went through. Mm-hmm. I'm just wondering, like, do you think... Do you think they would have done, um, like, some kind of, like, field something or another um, since he's probably too old to go to the, the academy? Yeah. I mean, I, he's, he's a lieutenant. and I, w- I would imagine if he was in the Bajoran militia and he had a rank, they would have given him an, Star, a, a Starfleet an identi- not an Id- Not necessarily an identical, but, like, a... Comparable? S- comparable. That's the word. Thank you. A comparable well, rank. And I mean, like, DS9 with, with Kira, obviously she was still in the Bajoran, you know, military attached to, to Bajor, but still she had, she was first officer of, and she blended in. It's not, I, I unless I'm very much incorrect, I don't think she ever just like, here, here's the academy crash course command no, but, people. No, you know but, what I mean? But no, but there was, there was a, um, um, a situation in which she had to negotiate with Cardassians, I believe, just the Dominion in general at that point, and um, they weren't going to like listen to um, someone from the Bajoran militia. So that's why she had to have essentially a temporary uh, Starfleet commission where she held, was going to hold the rank of um, commander. Yeah, I think that was was that like season six or seven. No, that right? Was, that was in season seven because in season seven at the beginning she got promoted from major to colonel in the yeah. in the Bajoran militia, and then. When, um, after, we're talking about a lot about Deep Space Nine here, after Damar basically said, we as the Cardassians are going to, you know, resist, resist now, resist tomorrow, resist until every Dominion force is driven from our home. Beautiful speech by Damar. I love that. Mm -hmm. Um, So they sent Kira to, like, train the Cardassians of how to be, like, freedom fighter, terrorist, resistance cells, right? 
and they weren't going to listen to a Bajoran, so they gave her a Starfleet commission, like basically like a battlefield commission. Yeah. Which does she like? Does she just like? And I guess does she, she still told that. I mean, she gave it up. I think because at, in the very end, we see her back in her her Bajoran militia uniform, like the last right. the last yeah. shot when we pull out, you know, through the station. Yeah, but you know, like Spock and Worf. I mean, they gave it up too, but they just—I mean—they go to the closet and they put their outfit back on, like it's no big deal. That's true. I mean, Kira. I mean, Kira looked pretty pretty good in um in a uniform. You know what uh, would have been nice to see in a Starfleet uniform? Hmm. To Paul. Just saying. Just saying. Like in season four. She was given a Starfleet commission. Why not put her in a uniform? Why keep her? Reasons, Eric. Why keep her in those skin-tight cat suits? I think you've just answered <laughs> your question. <laughs> well, that was that was always that was the thing about uh, about Deanna Troy, though, because later she was she actually did uh, get in uniform. I was like, that looks so much better than those onesies she was always parading around and it, it's not like it was bad or anything but I just I I liked it better in the in the actual uniform mm-hmm yeah mm-hmm. but there again Enterprise's uniforms were basically jumpsuits so <laughs> yeah well and then of course you have Deanna that goes back to non-uniform wear in Voyager uh, a little bit later on so yeah anyway well we're like still like two minutes into this episode basically <laughs> yes let's move on let's move on um, so Boimler's like just trying to get through like all these doors he's trying to get to Tom Paris to sign his plate um, for part of the story um, then you also have um, uh, Dr. Uh, is it Tiana Tana Dr. Tana 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 I think it's um, who's going a little mad and she needs an assist. She needs something from um, storage basically. And uh, she, she needs someone that's not going to ask questions. So she asked Tendi um, to go on this away mission. And in her infinite wisdom, um, ask Mariner to go with her on this away mission to get something from storage for, for the doctor. Yeah, so is Mike McMahon making fun of Stardust City Rag here with this scene where they show up on the planet? Right, because there's, like, the big quarks sign like there was in that in Stardust City and all the stuff. Because we we were, I think, I don't know how David responded to that episode because we were just Chase and I doing the recaps back then. But I think both of us were really critical of that episode. Of Stardust City Rag? Yeah, yeah. It was like, let's go to Canto Bite. Remember that? Everyone loved that. Let's just do that again. <laughs> that, that was your favorite part of Last Jedi, wasn't it, David? Oh, Canto Bite and those stupid horse things? Yeah, that was great. Mm. Because we got to eat the rich, boys. <sighs> got to eat the rich. Anyway, so how about uh, giant sex totems? Okay, listen. I was wondering how we were going to talk about this, by the way. Okay, so listen. (laughs) 
last week we had Kalis's sex helmet. This week we have a Cation libido post. It's just so juvenile. Why? Yes. Like it's just Why? it's just like such a juvenile piece of humor. It's, it's and then not of course funny. the payoff. It's not funny no, it, at all. Well, and then the payoff is a cat joke. She doesn't want the sex thing. She wants the box. I mean, it's it's just why? Uh, when did Star Trek devolve into sex jokes? Uh, do you want me to answer that or or not? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, come on! This is not well, funny. Always- it's not funny. Uh, you're always going to get some innuendo, which, you know, some of that can be a little funny. But, I mean, like, it was so blatant. It's like, oh, great-grandma was scratching on it, and I'm touching it with my bare hands. <laughs> yeah, and then there, there's the episode last season where Mariner had to clean the holodeck. Right? Mm-hmm. It's like, people really use it for that? Yeah, it's, it's pretty much that. <laughs> like, okay, like... Why? Why do we have to do that? Can't we just not make sex jokes in Star Trek? Aren't we supposed to be uh, uh, the sophisticated science fiction show? Yeah, we're not Star Wars, we're crying out loud. I mean, as as campy as Star Trek can be, right? We all know it's campy, and there's some... off the wall things, but we're supposed to be a little bit more sophisticated than that, than making, mm. you know, bodily humor jokes and sex jokes and cat well, and cat jokes. Yeah. Well, the, the thing is, though, the thing that I could have liked about that particular arc was like Mariner and Tendi sort of like becoming friends, like learning about each other because they know at this point they know nothing, like not even the basic things like, oh, that's your name. I thought you were just Tendy, you know, like, but that whole sort of like journey was kind of cool. But the fact that you had to, you had to put that over, it's like a burrito. The inside of your burrito wasn't like this, you know, nice stewed chicken. It was a, it was a sex idol. It's like, ah, okay, I get it. MA rated cartoon, but still, it's a little meh. The humor was very wooden. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I. Yahtzee. <laughs> I think I think the story of just Mariner and Tendi, you know, realizing they don't know a lot about each other and going on a mission together and becoming friends could have worked. Like, I mean, we've seen that on Star Trek, you know, two people getting paired together and having to survive. We've seen that many times, and it, it works in Star Trek, and it could have worked here, but... It had to be over some sex doll that they were touching with bare hands called Jeremy. So, so in an attempt to make this, to kind of try and redeem some of this, um, there there have been conversations kind of going on um, around the, the web about, like, what is Lower Decks doing? Like, not, not just, like, you know, making, like, these, you know, fart jokes or immature jokes or or whatever but like what's like each of these shows are supposed to have like you know some type of purpose to like the story the narrative the whatever of Star Trek and like what's the message that Lower Decks is doing and and maybe I'm jumping the gun on this guys but like 
I think the prevailing thing that's going on is um, what's it mean to know who you are type of thing or like who are you basically is like the kind of the message of apparently lower decks I mean would y'all agree or or disagree with that proposed message I guess the the message I would get in is where do I fit in? Where do I belong? Is more of the message that I think the show has been, tra- and I think mm-hmm. that is a great idea. You know, do I belong here? Do I not belong here? Am I in over my head? Can I learn something about myself and learn how to be here? Um, could be a great, you know, moral or message or whatever you want to call it. Um, I don't think it's delivered quite on that though. Well, the unfortunate thing is, if at least just my opinion, if you're going to try and convey either of those two messages, you eventually have to get to a point where there's a like there's a point of emphasis, which usually means you have to cut the comedy a bit. Like there has to be just that one point where it's not fun. It's not like it's just not funny. It's not like doesn't have to be super serious, but it's also not. We're not trying to make haha jokes anymore. Here's your learning experience, and then you and then you crack a joke after that. But you you, you have to have that. I don't know that I've particularly seen that. Um, I also don't know that I've particularly gotten enough character development out of any one person for me to even care about that particular message coming 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 to fruition. Um, even with last week's episode, which obviously I wasn't on to talk with you guys about, how do you get Boimler back to the ship? Well, you clone him. Yeah, there, there wasn't there wasn't a learning experience. There wasn't like an out really. You just made two. <laughs> you know what I mean? And again, yeah. it's a th- it's a throwback. You're just trying to throw back. Like even when Tendi and um, and Mariner were uh, well, they had the no- the Nausicaan playing that little weird pool game, which we saw with the Picard episode where he gets stabbed. Um, Domjot? Is that okay? I, yeah, I couldn't remember what the heck it was called. That still, for some reason, that name never. I never thought that seems like the name for that game. I don't know why, but anyway, there, there's there's a lot of shoving of of things like that in there, but it, it just doesn't really feel like there's much in the way of character development. Although I will say, perhaps a little bit with Rutherford, maybe. I think I, I probably care about him a little bit more than the others, I suppose. But he also had an arc, and we also killed off a character in quotations, and then brought him back later. So there was there was that sort of sacrificial thing as well, which was not yeah. funny. Yeah, and I was saying that um, I think I said that last time. Maybe I, was, I can't remember. I said it like one of the first two uh, reaction episodes that we were doing. That like the character that I care about the most right now is Rutherford. Um, because, like you said, um, David, he he has an arc. He he's he's got this story that he's going through, and like it's continuing to build, even now into the second season. I think much more uh, than the other characters. I mean, I think maybe the second, like the second one, like the runner-up to that would probably be Boimler, um, in terms of like the stuff with the Titan. But maybe that's kind of a stretch to a certain extent. Um, but I want to go back to what you were saying about. Um, at one point, you just gotta. Or at some point, you just gotta like cut the crap and like you know nix the jokes or make them you know not as front and center. And I think I'm. 
I'm a broken record whenever I say this, but the Orville, okay? Orville is a great show. Um, it's it's a love letter to Star Trek fans without it being actual Star Trek. And, uh, you know, like the, the first part of the Orville, like in terms of like season one, um, it's it's a lot of like Seth MacFarlane humor, like you might get from like a Family Guy or a Cleveland show kind of kind of thing. But there's a point in the show, especially the first season, where it really starts to come into its own. And we talk about like you know the sh- like in Star Trek, like they the they grew their beard type of thing. Like season two is like the Orville actually growing their beard, and like there's like way more drama and seriousness to it with like some laughs thrown in for good measure. It's very well balanced. And I think that's what you're getting at is like, without me saying all that crap is like, we need to have more, more balance. Like at some point we need to have like more of like what we're used to of, of Trek perhaps and less of like the fart jokes, less of the sex jokes. And and I think the show did that in the season one finale, which is why we were all like really raving about that episode. It had a really, it cut the jokes. It, it had a dramatic moment in there, but and then it, it had its its poignant moment of the funeral, and then after it made its point and did that, it was able to go back to jokes effectively. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like Riker and Mariner right. having drinks together at the bar. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And the the should we get our little Horgon, which again is a <laughs> sex joke, but I'm okay with that one. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Oh goodness! You know, I I will backtrack just a little bit. I I, I actually do find myself uh, caring a little bit more about Tendi though, or as she apparently has been known, the mistress of the winter constellations. <laughs> <laughs> that just makes her sound so cool. Like I really want to like know more about Tendi now. <laughs> I, lo- I love, like, I thought the timing... Okay, so like we're talking about the comedy, but, like, I kind of enjoyed the timing of a certain joke, um, and it had to do with, like, yeah, Orion's, like, they get such a bad rap, like, they're stereotyped as, like, um, uh, thieves like, and pirates. Thieves and pirates. Yeah, thieves and pirates, and then, like, just like that, um, oh, yeah, like, my uncle, uh, he's a pirate over here, like, we should maybe go there, and I, just thought, I thought that was hilarious, like, just the timing of that joke was yeah. great. Well, it's like she makes that joke in the first season, it's like, I'll have you know, many Orions have not been pirates for at least three years. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so, let's just get through the rest of, like, the Tendy stuff, so, like, they go, like, they get the thing from storage... Um, down at like Stardust City Rag version 2.0 basically and Mariner being Mariner wants to like look at what's in the box and shenanigans ensue and the totem, the sex totem pole gets broken and then we have to go fix it because there's this master artisan on, on this planet that can fix it and the thing gets even more broken than it was before. Like, have they never heard of, like, replicating, like, Gorilla Glue in, like, the 24th century? I'm just saying. Like, just replicate some Gorilla Glue and you'll be fine. <laughs> no, you have to have a master artisan. Come on, man. And they, they like, tried to go to two. Just didn't work out. What was... Okay, what was the thing that she used to turn Mariner's skin green? Uh... 
It's a doohickey. I like it. <laughs> I mean, so she used the doohickey. It's, it's it's is it any different than the magical device they used to fix the lost arena at the end of Picard? Oh, the the sonic screwdriver. Yeah, the little magical doohickey. It fixes things. How? Use your imagination. Well, I mean, you know another thing. It, 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 it's I, I was gonna say it earlier, but when when you had tried to issue deltas, you know, in the the first episode when we did this, I looked at you like you were an insane person. Yes, um, you did. <laughs> so it, I bring it back up here because we've seen a lot of, uh, you know, manipulation to make people look like other things, including different skin tones and this, that, and the other. I mean, you know, half of the Deep Space Nine crew was transformed into Klingons for a little bit so they could go to a party. Um, why did the green not last for more than, like, ten minutes? That was my question. Well, I, I was going to get I it. Think, I think because usually when they were had all the cosmetic surgery done, like Neelix at one point got turned into a Ferengi... And Chakotay got turned into a, um, a Vidian. So, but all of those procedures were performed by a doctor. It was like cosmetic surgery. It wasn't, you know, we're going to do this on the fly. And so I think that's maybe the reason why it didn't last. All I'm saying is that a lot of cosplayers paint themselves green and blue and all that. And it lasts all day, so I don't want to hear it. If you have a magic space green gun that'll make you green, then it should last longer than 10 well, minutes. Dude, I know some cosplayers that would love that green gun. I'm okay. just saying. Well, here's the thing. <laughs> if the green lasted, what would have been the conflict? Dang, nabbit. Dang it, Eric. Why you got to be poking holes, I man? know. Like, I mean, it, o- it only works as long as the plot requires it. True. Okay. Well, and then, like, the rest of them just live happily ever after as they, like, escape through the city to get back to their shuttlecraft. So, yay, they live happily ever after, and they learn more about each other, and they decide to do ramming speed to have, like, a cover-up to break the, the totem pole. Yeah. It was a bee. A bee, yeah. Somehow a bee got in here. Right, it was a bee. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to the brig, Mariner. I'm going to the brig. Send the bee to the brig. Like, why would she be going to the brig? Like, because she tried to ram the ship? I don't I don't know. Or is that just going to be a running joke? Like, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen Trailer Park Boys. I have either nope. of you. Mm-hmm. Well, every season yeah, yeah. they end up back in jail. That's like the running joke yeah. is at the end of the season. They end up back in jail. So is that like our running joke here is just Mariner's just going to end up in the brig all well, the did time? You see in, did you see in the brig? Um, I don't know if it was like in the other two episodes but like this one like there's like the little castle drawing and it says Mariner HQ on it oh I saw the little drawing I didn't see the worded though yeah it says Mariner HQ uh, so maybe I mean she's got her drawing apparently she, they put her, always put her in the same brig unless she's got a drawing in every well I mean every how cell. many how many holding cells do you think they had I mean we saw on Voyager it looked like they had just one maybe it's because in the real world, they didn't have enough room to build a set bigger. I, I mean, I don't remember um, on the Enterprise how, how big our, our brig was. Um, I know that on D-Space 9, we had lots of holding cells mm-hmm. behind Odo's office. Yeah. yeah. I, I have no idea. 
I have no idea. Uh, which one was it? Um, was it Enterprise? Was it Enterprise or was it? Um, I could have swore there were at least like two cells. Yeah, Enter- like Enterprise on... had two holding cells, small ones. Is that what it they was? Were, they were small ones. They weren't like big, like like you saw on Voyager, like big a big cell. Or or if you went to the Kelvin timeline, the brig that they put Benedict Cumberbatch in, that thing was massive. Like that was an apartment. <laughs> How big that yeah. how big that brig was, that holding cell. Mm-hmm. That was like as big as a deflector dish for crying out it was loud. I mean it was pretty huge. massive. <sighs> Look at us. We're basically doing exactly what we complain this show is doing. It's just dropping <laughs> random knowledge about things that are related from other Star Trek. <laughs> but that's what a podcast's supposed to do, not the show. We're supposed to be the ones to bring this stuff up. That's right. <laughs> yeah. The show's doing it wrong. We're doing it right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I think I'm going to fire myself from this podcast. And someone's like, yes, do it. It's David. Well, hey, how about uh, Tom Paris Kazon uh, flashback? That was fun. Okay. Yeah. So why did mm. Boy- was Boiler's hair not blue anymore? Fumes, man. <laughs> Does he die? And, and apparently, that and the dye just wore, ran out because of all the fumes. Does Does Boimler visit the barber on the Cerritos every morning to get his hair dyed? It, I wonder if the would it, would it be a bullion that would be doing the haircuts? I mean, only the best barbers are bullions, right? I'm just saying. It seems like every every time we ever saw a haircut on the show it was a bullion that was doing it I, I don't know I don't know but I got okay so real real talk how in the world is that plate that strong indestructible how oh, is by that, the way how how does uh, Boimler have hands or lips after touching a superheated indestructible plate he just blew on it, remember? Well, it's fine. How is Captain Ransom alive after having a boulder? Not Captain Ransom. Commander Ransom alive after having a boulder dropped on him. <laughs> well, first he went to the Black Mountain and destroyed the apparitions of his father and then ate their heart. <laughs> Death is only the beginning. Oh. So I'm, I'm about to cross fandoms for a second. And uh, and David will, will potentially appreciate this, but um, whenever like he was talking about like the Black Mountain and the apparitions and like the fighting and the other mm-hmm. stuff, I was just thinking about like um, Sabaoth or Sabaoth or whatever from um, Heir to the Empire and like just the mountain and like the storage of like the Emperor and um, clones and things of that nature. That was the first thing that came to mind for me. So I'm digging deep on that one. But, yes, how in the world is this plate so doggone sturdy for it just being, like, China or something? Uh, I, I, like, he just, like, like, it's, like, in his shirt. He's crawling around, like, in his uniform shirt. 
and then like at one point like he like double fists it and like just shoves it into like a console and like it's it's getting like super heated super charged and um like he's getting like super high from like all this like radiation and fumes and the stuff that's like in this Jeffrey's tube that he's stuck in because the stupid security clearance is not letting him do anything which you don't need a security clearance when it's an emergency like you said which is true I mean seriously like what what is this what is this stuff and then he falls out of a ceiling with it still in his in his uniform shirt doesn't break and then he gets punched by freaking Tom Paris because he looks like a Kazon, which he kind of did. Well, the thing is, it would have been the classic end to the joke that he finally is there with Tom, and he's like, can you sign this? Whoops, and then it slips and breaks. I was waiting for that. They didn't even do that. I was waiting for that. They just let it be an indestructible plate. joke, yeah. Would have been classic. Classic slapstick, but nope. It's just indestructible, and we just have to deal with the pl- with the fact that these plates are somehow made stronger than any ship or anything that they have. It's great. Mm-hmm. They should just make ships out of this plate, just like right. well, it's plate armor, right? Plate armor. <laughs> I see what you did there. <laughs> oh man. I don't know, y'all. Have we talked about this episode enough? I think so. Okay. So the other Easter egg that's been staring us in the face the whole time will always have Tom Paris play on the TNG Season 1 episode will always have Paris. Honestly, I, I know that episode. The only thing I remember is Picard going into the holodeck and going mm-hmm. back to the scene in Paris. But, like... I can't tell you anything about what happened in that episode. Like I know it was a that for- was one I know it was a former love interest of of Picard's uh, that he left because of his career, but I literally cannot tell you anything about what happened in that episode other than Picard that, that, going to the holodeck. That was the one with the time distortions. There was the doctor who had actually married his long lost love that he left in Paris, but there was something about he some sort of distortions that he caused, like, crack in space-time, and they had to close it and all that good stuff. Uh, sure. Like, this is the one time I can't answer that question for you. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Well, I'll, t- I'll tell you, it, it does sort of seem like an odd name to... I mean, I understand the play on words, you know, Tom Paris, Paris, okay. But, like, it didn't have anything to do with that episode. Like, there wasn't any element from that episode, at least, like, with the last one... You know, there was elements of of it in the episode in the, uh, relating to the name. In this one, it's just yeah because the guy's last name is Paris. Yeah, it's, and it's and that wasn't even lazy. like the A lot A plot line. That was the the B plot line. I think it yeah. was just to highlight the fact that they got Robert Duncan McNeil to come and do thirty seconds of voice acting for this episode. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm looking. Yeah, uh, Dr. Mannheim uh, was involved in this. Uh, yeah, Crusher is tending to Dr. Mannheim, who's having convulsions. Uh, Data at one point has to go down into um, uh, these distortions to um, disable stuff before um, going into a laboratory. And there's a column of energy, some other crazy sci-fi stuff going on. 
Yeah, that's where there were there were multiple datas because of the time. It's like, but which one? Which one of us? It's me. It's me. Picard and Janice use the holodeck to recreate one more encounter at a parish cafe before she returns with her husband to the planet. There we go. That was season one, episode uh, 24. So, right there at the end. Yep. And, of course, you know, we'll always have Paris's from Casablanca. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Amazing movie, Casablanca. All right, let's get into it. Let's get into the rating stuff and, and start to wrap this up. So, uh, Delta... Here we go. I'm not giving out I, any. I, I'm not giving out any of them for this episode. Like, well, they 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 did start to explain what happens after death, so that could be kind of sciency, I guess. You know, is that, sci- is that sciency? <laughs> well, they're they're explaining it. I don't know. I I just <laughs> like I like obviously there's can't give anything for command in this episode because nobody was in charge of anything. Um, Except for Tendi, kind of. Uh, And she kind of messed that up. I don't think we did anything technology-wise. I mean, maybe you can say Boimler was opened up a panel to try to get himself out of the... But, like, no. Um, And we didn't really do anything engineering to to fix any problems. So, big fat Mm -hmm. none for me for this episode. Yeah, I'm holding out hope that we're going to eventually hit all three uh, deltas for this show before before the season ends. Eek. Uh, it's a tall order. It's a tall order, Eric. Eek. How about you, David? No. Just no. 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 <laughs> all right. Let's do the let's do a rating. Um, number rating. So one being um, this episode was a dumpster fire. To ten being. Um, Roddenberry would shed a tear because of how, how amazing it is. Well, I literally watched this episode like an hour before we re- started recording here. Um, I didn't get a chance to since, you know, Thursday. And I've almost forgotten the whole thing by now. Right? <laughs> I mean, honestly, um, it's, it's going to be an episode that, like, literally we're going to forget. I think I think this is the most forgettable episode ever. It it and it's interesting. Like it's forgettable, and so I think that makes it better than some episodes because some episodes that are really bad, you know, you, that you were gonna remember them, like the first episode of this season. Um, I think this is probably a better episode than that. I think I gave that like a five, but this is just a nothing episode for me when I think. You know, Tom Paris could. I was expecting more from. You know, we'll always have Tom Paris. Um, I don't know, six. Just why not? Okay. Yeah, I mean, I mean it, it, there there was some stuff that was that was good. There was a lot of stuff that was really bad too. I mean, just sort of like like I said, the whole idol thing, and then the. I don't know, but like I said, little uh, Tendy Mariner thing. And that wasn't all that bad, but it's just such a cluster of references. It, 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 it's, it's, it's almost too much. But yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't say it's like the worst thing, but 
I, it had enough entertainment. I'd, I'd probably be at like, I don't know, maybe like a six point seven five. Oh, look at you! Yeah, look at you. So, uh, I think, like, I'm with I'm with both of y'all on this one. Like, don't. I mean, I watched this. Uh, what was it? You know, the the day it came out, like on Thursday night or something like that uh, whenever I was done with work and I was really struggling coming into to today trying to remember like a lot of the stuff and uh, I think that's the issue like it, it is it to me and, and like Eric said it's kind of forgettable so um, not too much really standing out at least from my perspective on it um, it kind of fell all over the place um, but it's also to me, it's not Unification Part 3, right? It's not Second Contact. It's not um, the first episode of this. It's not Strange Energies. Um, and just because, like, I like Tom Paris, I like Voyager, um, I'm going to give it a little bit of a higher rating just in honor of Tom and Robert Duncan McNeil. So, like, for me, I think this is going to be like a 6.62. That's very specific. So, very specific, yeah. Right. I, I do what I can. I do what I can. So, anyway, there we are. Uh, we are. We made it through, y'all. By the way, we are now right at like a third of the way done with this this season. How about that? It's crazy. Only only seven more episodes to go of Lower Decks, and then question mark on what the next Star Trek's going to be. I, I so. think we're going to get an announcement here pretty soon about when the next season is happening. I hope so. I, I really do. I, would, I think if we're going to get it, it's going to be around you know, the halfway mark of this season. So it's going to be episode four, five, or six when something comes out. So the middle third well, I mean, right, of, I mean, of the show. I was just reading something the other day that... Um, like people are anticipating a strange new world's premiere date pretty soon because of like star trek day or something like that which I, that would make sense yeah so i would imagine we might get a lot of more announcements i don't think it's going to be disney investor day announcement right that dropped on us but i think we're going to get some news here pretty soon gotcha yeah i mean september 8th will be here before you know it uh, for for Star Trek Day, so yeah, there's a very good there's a very good chance that we could be getting um, some droppage of stuff. So we'll see, we'll see. But um, anyways, what did y'all think? All y'all out there in listener land, what did y'all think of this episode? Was this your favorite? Was it your worst? Was it kind of forgettable? Or was this very memorable uh, for y'all? Uh, let us know. Let us know kind of like what you thought, how you rated it. Um, oh, before I go into the full spiel. Uh, I do want to mention one thing. Um, we had um, Marnie um, in our group who posted a picture of trying to do like a um, name that movie, like guess this image kind of thing. I don't know if um, you gents saw it in the group or not, but I know it was stumping a lot of people. So good job, Marnie, on the image that you stumped so many people with. I'm proud of you on that one. Um, I, was, I was talking to her about it offline. And... Um, uh, it took me, I think, two guesses to actually get down to it. So um, the photo in question, uh, at now after the fact, 
was from uh, Star Trek The Motion Picture, whenever the Klingons are attacking V'ger at the beginning of the film. So uh, if you didn't see that on the group, go check it out. That's the answer. So there you go. Um, but anyways, I hope you, got, hope you all um, enjoyed this, um, this little discussion. Again, these are our opinions, so this is not the final word on the show. We hope you are enjoying this, if this is your, uh, your favorite Star Trek. Uh, we mean that sincerely. Um, so let us know. Um, get in contact with us, trtvpod.com. Um, handling frequencies are there. You can also send us a, um, an email to trtvpod at gmail.com or voice-only transmission to 817-752-4757. Remember, there's a three-minute time limit, and your comments may be used on a future episode. And if it's more than three episodes, the Klingons are going to find you, and they're going to take you, and they're going to dismember you, and it'll be all for the glory of the Klingon Empire if it's more than three minutes. Um, other than that, if you do want to send us something like a totem pole or an old wooden box, you can do that. Make sure it gets to the Lone Star Station, P.O. Box 2455, Azel, Texas 76098. Thank you all so much for joining us today. And as we leave here today, remember to bold to go and make it so.